This week on Ultra 64, what's more fun than a museum? Namco is hoping nothing. Hello and welcome to Ultra 64, the podcast devoted to discovering the secrets and forgotten histories of the Nintendo 64. I am your host, Woody Siskowski. With me today is... Stephen Guntley. Someone has been listening to You Must Remember This. And with us also today is... Nicole Vatisse. Back on, again. Back again. On today's episode, we dive into Namco Museum to see if it really is as exciting as the title would imply. And now I'm going to stop doing this voice and return to my regular obnoxious voice. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. We're so happy to be here. I'm glad you're listening to that podcast. That's one of my it's favorites a, ever. It's a great podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm practicing my enunciation. She, the she enunciates secrets so well. and forgotten histories. I, I listened to her on an episode of uh, uh, the Unspooled podcast. I don't know if you listened to that one, but uh, and, and they were just interviewing her, and she was just talking normally. And it's like, wow, okay, yeah, that's what. He, it sounds wrong when she's just talking without the enunciation. I find her voice very, very soothing. It's like riding a wave. It's very nice. Anyway, a wave uh, of this scandal. Is the Karina Longworth Appreciation Podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to Ultra 64. Well, we're, we're going through every game in the Nintendo 64 catalog in random order, and that random hand of fate has landed us on Namco Museum That roulette wheel of electronic plastic. Absolutely, and we're glad to have Nicole here, and uh, I, I feel like... I feel like arcade games of this era are kind of like right around your speed as far as video games go. Like, this is your this is your <laughs> sweet spot. Well, I've played a lot of them. I, I've gone to a lot of arcades not like when i was a child but in more recent years because there's a lot of arcades that are also bars and mm-hmm. they're really entertaining so i wish there was some kind of shorter name for that arcade bar a barcade our our car our car arc let's call it an our car okay okay all right i don't think we should be drinking in our car it's frowned upon nice nice that was funny <laughs> Hey, you get a pat on the back. You Nicole. get a nice little aw. 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 Good aw. try. Good try. No, it was good. It no. was it was much better than most of the things we say on this podcast, Steve. Absolutely. No, it is. No. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about Namco Museum 64. Guess what? We get to play your uh, wonderfully creepy little uh, slogan again because uh, it was released October 31st, 1999. Q Music. <laughs> it's 1999. It's so dissonant and chaotic. I love it. Uh, this hey. was published by Namco and developed by Mass Media. Uh, it was also released on PlayStation, Dreamcast, Game Boy Advance, and eventually the Wii U and Virtual Console. So uh, Mass Media has been around since the mid-'80s, and weirdly, they are still going strong. I feel like it's always the ma- noteworthy. The Mass Media, it continues on. <laughs> that that, that <laughs> fake-ass media conspiracy, yeah. yeah. 
I, I feel like it's always noteworthy when a developer that we're covering on this show is still working because most of them are not. So many companies that had developed for the N64 yeah, yeah. fallen to I mean, the wayside. They started developing games for the Philips CDI, so oh, that'll goodness. tell you how they started. And uh, eventually they were acquired by Sony, and their forte is kind of managing ports of other franchises. So uh, they've done the, the Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank compilations on PS Vita and uh, a lot of other like compilation games. And we're going to see them a few more times on this show for uh, Bassmasters 2000. Power Rangers, Ms. Pac-Man, Maze Madness, and StarCraft 64. Are you sure it's not Bass Masters 2000? And oh, I think it might guitar be Bass Hero, Guitar Hero like, so spinoff? Sorry. Yeah, it is. It's, it's Bass Masters 2000, and uh, it's just low singing. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, <cool>. exactly. <laughs> Old Man River. I can't, I can't even do that. Old Man River. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, thank you. Oh. Uh, so Namco was established in 1955, and they started as the producer of coin-operated rides, uh, like those little ones you see outside of department stores, like the little drop a quarter in the pony and ride on the pony for 30 seconds. Have those fallen out of favor? I, I, I when's the last time you've seen one? I said, well, they have a little cluster of them at the mall here. Okay. Uh, they were never ma- seen any kids on no, them. No, I thought those were the ones that went around. Oh, no, I have seen kids on those. Yeah, never yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. just thinking of the ones that they ride around on. Oh, yeah, there's little animals, like the little go-karts <laughs> that they ride around, those little assholes. Wait, there's go-karts that kids can ride around oh, at the yeah, mall? Yeah, they're animals. Those? Yeah, they're well, animals. And they shaped. actually, like, go Funny all the way around? Yeah. And it's, like, half the time it's, like, snotty-ass teenagers, like, that are way too big for these things riding around on it and giggling. Well, I mean, I'd be honest, Steve. If I knew that these were there, I would probably ride around <laughs> on them, so... It's not too late. I, I will what pocket your criticism. Birthday? Yeah. That's, <laughs> Go do that. And that then... is the kind of thing we would do for my birthday is ride around in a mall in a little electronic horse. It, that's one of – like there are three things that are in every mall that uh, nobody likes. There's those little go-kart things. There's that sky ride, those, that trampoline that attaches you to cables. Again, I just saw – I was just at the mall yesterday. Yeah. I just saw this at the mall and I'm like, this looks awesome. Yeah. So clearly <laughs> you and I have different opinions on what nobody likes. Okay. How about that, that little – like space shuttle thing you step in and it's like a 3D ride where it's just jolting you mm. around. Like that's right. at every mall and I've never seen anybody using one of those. The, 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 here's the mall activity. You go to get the teriyaki uh-huh. and then you go and get a Cinnabon okay. and then you go on that ride. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then you just leave little presents for people. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. Uh, so yeah, they started as a creator of those little games uh, and they started getting into arcade games in the 1970s and they have dozens and dozens of classic franchises under their belt, but I think to this day they are still best known for Pac-Man. I think that's safe to say. That's probably their biggest hit ever. So we're talking about Namco now, not Still talking about Namco, yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, they, they're still going strong today. In 2006, they merged with Bandai to form Bandai Namco Entertainment, sometimes Namco, Bandai, whatever. Uh, and uh, they're still regularly releasing games. They've got uh, all the Soul Calibur series, Soul mm-hmm. Calibur Six just dropped recently. I hear it's a lot of fun. Uh, the Katamari Damacy games, which I love to death, and uh, the cult favorite Tales series of RPGs, sure. like uh, which I've never played, but I hear they're really good. I mean, Namco's definitely one of the big five, big ten video game developers in history. Which I mean, you don't need when you're thinking about like biggest game developers now. They may not like immediately spring to mind right. just because they've been kind of quietly doing really quality solid work for a long time you kind of take it for granted uh but yeah no namco bandai is very solid uh, uh developers uh, lots of great games on there uh let's before we get into this let's talk a little bit about compilation games i think okay. this is a this is a little subgenre that started getting really popular in the 90s uh just because of the sheer value of it you know you're getting like five six seven eight games on a disc or a cartridge or something like that and uh, for usually a discount price because these are very old games um, and suddenly it's like you can play these arcade perfect ports of these games in your home and discover all these weird old games that might have been lost to time. 
So my personal favorite compilation game, and this one may not even necessarily count, but uh, <laughs> the Orange Box. It's called Super Mario Galaxy, <laughs> Super and Mario it's a Galaxy. compilation of different levels <laughs> that you approach. It's like, Steve, I think we need to rethink this definition. Yes, the no, Orange no, no. Box it, is it, awesome. It combines graphics <laughs> yeah. and gameplay. It's a compilation music. of music and pictures to provide a full yeah. immersive experience. It, it reminds me a lot of my favorite compilation movie, Jaws. Uh, <laughs> exactly. It combines sharks with water. Uh, you get uh, uh, actors and boats. You get all these things. It's great. And the Orange Box combines colors with containing materials. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everyone's two favorite thing and fruit. Yeah, fruit. Lots of stuff going on. No, the orange box was uh, for those who happen to not know for some reason was a uh, collection of. Was that you? Yes. <laughs> uh, you actually do know what this is. Uh, so it was the big. He is highlight pointing of to Nicole was, here, audience, when he's referring to you. <laughs> the, the big, the big highlight of this game was uh, Half Life Two, and uh, it's two kind of spin-off episodes, Episode One and Episode Two, and then it introduced two new games. One of them was Team Fortress Two, and the other one was Portal. So you've seen me play this many a time because Portal's one of my very favorite games. I didn't of know all they time. were in the same thing. All they of are, those games are are classic games. They are. Uh, yeah, there's not point. a not a bad one on that yeah. disc. Um, but I also quite like the there's a Capcom Classics series that they were releasing a while ago, and Capcom has some of the just weirdest and nuttiest like arcade games. Uh, what's the one? Is it, was it Cap? Captain Capcom or something like that. Captain, Captain Commando. Captain Commando. Yeah. Where you have the baby in the uh, in the mech suit. Baby Commando. Yeah. 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 Um, and that game, most people know because like he was one of the characters in Marvel vs. Capcom, mm-hmm. but nobody knew what he was actually from. Exactly. So. Which is the one? I think it was one of the Midway arcade treasures that had like Smash TV, and uh, there's mm-hmm. another game that was very similar to Smash. Total TV. Carnage. Total Carnage. Yeah. Yes, I loved that game. Yeah. It's the stupidest it's, thing. It's ever. so dumb. It's you know, it's kind of racist. It's kind of <sighs> leans too high into the really Gulf War thing. Jingoistic but, and really like, but it's yeah. really silly and stupid. No, I Midway arcade games still um, are are usually my favorite, and. Yeah. Um, there was a compilation for... I mean, the compilations kept kept growing in size as they've come out. The earliest one I remember was a um, Super Nintendo Midway Classics Collection. Because back on just the NES, mm-hmm. you would just buy, like, Galaga or Pac-Man would be its own cart. Okay. And it would be, um, you know, it would be an arcade port. And it actually took a while in terms of... So, like, Pac-Man came out in, what, the late 70s, early 80s? 1980, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so once they got ported to, like, Atari, there was a big business of trying to do home ports, but nothing was as powerful as the arcade machines. Right. So you had a bunch of crippled ports. Once they got to the NES, they were sort of able to get to match the um, the arcade game. Um, and then once you got to the Super Nintendo, they were able to bundle multiple games on the same cartridge. Right. And now, like, they just released a Sega Genesis one for the newer consoles, and that has, like, 30 games on it. It's kind of um, ridiculous, yeah. You yeah, and these are, like, 30 Sega Genesis games. I mean, the difference in file size... This is super boring, so I apologize, <laughs> but the difference Nicole, in file... hands, quick, quick. Yeah. yeah! File size between these old games and what is contained on the newer games is crazy. Yeah. Like, I assume that you could fit the entire, like, every video game ever made up through the Super Nintendo on, like, a PS4 on a Blu-ray. Yeah, I mean, yeah. probably pretty easily, and then some. Yeah, I can't, I can't um, imagine. I and mean, I, yeah. And so a game like this, so this game that we played today, Namco Arcade Collection, has six games. Yes. Which... Feels a little on the skimpy beta, side. Yeah, I do, it's maybe seemed like a decent amount at the time. 
Because you're like, wow, I'm getting six games for the price of one, but you get you can burn through them pretty quick. And I, I was saying this off mic earlier, and I think I always tend to get real excited about these kind of compilation games because I'm a nerd about like historical video game stuff, obviously. And it's like, oh, cool, I get a chance to play all these games in the comfort of my own home. And I get it, and I play them all, and it's really fun, and then I'm, I'm bored uh, really quickly. Because a lot of these games... Uh, I don't know. They just don't hold your interest in the way that uh, we've come to, you know, the gaming industry has evolved and we kind of require a little more complexity and a little more narrative and, and just something to keep us playing. It's And these are incredibly simple. Yeah, uh, it's the, the, the experience of playing like Galaga or Pac-Man um, on your home system with a PS4 controller and N64 controller is not the same experience as going to an arcade or going to a bar and, and pl- putting in a quarter car. and playing it there. Yeah, the bar car. You feel like you get pretty good value for your quarter, whereas if you were to buy Pac-Man for five bucks, you would might want to only play it like a few times before you're like, all right, I'm going to move on and play Spider-Man or something. And I was going to say like the arcade joysticks might be more sticky, but I don't necessarily know that's true. Uh, but that's also, I don't know, I, I, I the feeling of the arcade joystick just caressing the, the ball on top there. And just tickling it a little just, bit. Is, yeah, yeah, just rub, gently rubbing the ball, manipulating yeah, the shaft. It, yeah, it's mm-hmm. um, a much more pleasurable experience for everyone compared to just... Everyone the, enjoys that. Yeah, compared yeah. to the N64 joystick. Yeah, I felt like my fingers kind of hurt playing this one, but like it wouldn't have been the same. But not in a good way. Not yeah. like, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's a mixed bag. I, I, it, I still think it's pretty cool as a concept that we can access that we have like a record of all these games you know because arcades are obviously disappearing and a lot of these machines are just totally lost to time Mm -hmm. so it's cool that we have a record i mean they've been leaning more and more into providing these kind of games and what you were talking about is like liking the sort of historical Mm -hmm. thing they've done a better job on that Um, yeah like that sega genesis compilation even though the emulation on it is kind of bad um they have an interface that makes it look like it's sort of your bedroom in the early 90s and there's like posters of Sega games you actually have to insert the cart in the Genesis which is kind of a lot of annoying rigmarole on yeah, it but but it's a nice They also little... give you histories of the games and things to read which right. sort of makes it more yeah these things are kind of more interesting as historical artifacts that you're like oh I've never got around to playing Comic Zone yeah. and then you play it for 5 minutes you're like this game sucks it really kind of does <laughs> yeah it, isn't that i mean off track but Comic Zone isn't that the game where like you take damage by punching people like so you're uh, constantly da- losing your energy no it's not but it is essentially an impossibly difficult game it is. it's it's, it's a, a gorgeous looking game yeah. but it's not very fun to play uh, so one of my favorite compilation games that I found in my research, and this isn't something I played, but it was called Don't Buy This. <laughs> it was by Firebird Games, and it was released for the ZX Spectrum over in uh, the UK in 1985. And basically, uh, Firebird Games compiled five games that were pitched to them. Like, developers came in and said, hey, will you publish this game? They rejected them for being terrible, <laughs> and then released them in this compilation of really terrible <laughs> shitty games. And it was very no cheap, right? Like... It was very cheap, and it was very, very popular. Like, uh, it was a very it was a successful compilation. <laughs> games included uh, Fido, Fido 2, Fruit Machine, Race Ace, and Weasel Willy. 
uh, which I watched a little bit of YouTube clip of Weasel Willie, and it looks baffling. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. You're like, you're a figure, you're walking around a screen, leaving like a trail of something, and every once in a while... It's a tra- 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 weasel trail, Will- I, or yeah, a willy trail. It's a willy trail, yeah. just dragging your willy behind you, and then every once in a while, the game will just blink out, and you'll be on the next level, because there's invisible tokens you need to find. Oh my god! You wander around the screen until you find an invisible token, and then it'll move you on to the next oh level. Oh my god. It looks incredible. Incredibly boring. It's awful. Uh, so don't play that, or don't buy this. Yeah. Don't do that. Listen to their advice. Oh, so, that reminds me, Codemasters, the uh, the game that the company that was developing knockoff NES games for a while, actually released a few compilation games for the NES that oh, would have shit. like um, four of their own games on there, and these were like full fledged NES games that could have probably been easily released as single cartridges. Oh, yeah. But they were just like, we need to sell our unlicensed games, so like we'll do this as a selling point and have four four games to choose from so it's not like games don't have the space the games didn't have the space to include a lot more than what they did or what was that yeah. nes cart that had like 52 in one or something like yeah that? exactly like, cheetah men being yeah. one of them and they were 90 yeah. percent unplayable yeah but they were on there um so let's talk about namco museum uh that that series had a very successful run of five games over the course of three years on the playstation 1995 to 98 they released five games and it made sense to port it over the namco museum 64 sold well uh it it you know, there are 45 games that sold more than a million copies uh, on the N64, and this is number 45 on that list. So okay. barely squeaked into that club, yeah. but it made it. Um, I mean, this is going to be a really cheap game to develop. So, yeah. like, it probably made a lot of profit. Uh, this is kind of a greatest hits of all the uh, other games. So, like, we get... It, it, this is kind of a mixed blessing to me because we get six games that are... Very good. They're, these are very good arcade games. Like, I would say all of them. There, there isn't really a stinker among these. Not crazy about pole position. But. I mean, it's a little boring, but it looks yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what we're missing is some of the really weird shit that I yeah. like, like, discovering. Like, I was looking at some of the titles in the other game. Like, have you heard of Bosconian? No. It's Tower, you- Tower of Druaga. Mm-hmm. Cutie Q. Baraduke. Like, I want to know what these are. Uh, Baraduke is Marmaduke's, uh, like, hoity-toity cousin. <laughs> oh, Baraduke is here. Oh, bring out the golden dog bowl for Baraduke. I would play that game. Yeah. <laughs> that's so this game uh, also omits one of the key features of the PlayStation games, and that's the virtual museum interface. So the PlayStation games let you actually wander around a Namco museum, and there would be old magazine ads for the games, and there'd be little factoids and interviews with developers and things like that. They have a virtual security guard who, if you're playing a game too long, like pushing you pushing you <laughs> along. If you touch it. Yeah. There's a virtual sad man sitting on a bench holding a purse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's very realistic. Um, I don't know. I think that's something I would have appreciated having just just for like that little extra detail. And because I feel like the purpose of having a game that's like Namco Museum, that title is very reverential to the mm-hmm. franchise. And I, and they're not really – this one's very bare bones and very straightforward. Yeah, the presentation, you just boot up and it gives you a menu. Which of these six games do you want to play? Yeah. And then you pick one and you press the button to insert a coin and start. Yeah. seems like so little effort for – you know. Yeah, it's pretty basic. And I mean, you get, uh, each game comes with like tips that you can look at yeah. and that kind of has to suffice. Yeah, there's about six of them, but like, I don't know, you could do with like, I don't know, some history of the game, like who the developers were. But I guess, I guess you're about to get that here oh, as yes. we delve in. That's why you That's listen to this podcast. for, M. Effers. So should we Let's, start, start at the top with the, with the big one? The big one. We're starting with the big yellow man himself, Pac-Man. Oh, 
Who'd you think I was gonna say? Um, Big Bird. Yeah, thank you. I I was looking at your shirt. I was gonna say Scorpion. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so Pac Man. I mean, really, what? I don't need to tell anybody about Pac Man. Pac Man's biggest. He's a circle, gonna, but he's missing a triangle. He is yeah. Shell Silverstein's the missing piece. That's right. The game. Uh, this is one of the biggest and most successful video games ever made. I was created by a man named Toru Iwatani, who was 22 at the time that he made this game, and oh. he had. Virtually no training as a programmer or a game designer. He had no interest in designing video games. He just got kind of roped into it and and wound up making one of the most beloved games of all time. So good for him. 22 years old. I don't want to think about what nope. I had accomplished when I was 22. <laughs> nothing. Um, I had just learned how to ride a bike. Hey, <laughs> that's not nothing. Yeah. So uh, the game hit arcades in 1980, and it was a runaway sensation of a game. There were more than 400,000 Pac-Man machines sold. And uh, when you adjust it for inflation, the series has grossed an estimated $11.4 billion. That makes it the best-selling arcade game of all time, more than Space Invaders and Street Fighter II, uh, which are, are right on its tail. Now, did the creator make any money off of that? No, he did not. Okay. That's a good point for bringing up. Yeah, he didn't even get a bonus. Uh, he was just kind of like, he was a salary man. He was, he, was, he was working for Namco. So Namco made the money because it's the company. Uh, but he didn't really get any kind of special recognition off of that, which sucks because uh, that's, that's an amazing accomplishment. Uh, this game was not expected to be a hit. Uh, so when the game was shown at a coin-op trade show, the investors all but ignored it. They were looking at a different Namco game, a racing game called Rally X, which was expected to be the big thing that year. That was mm-hmm. what everybody was betting on. But uh, Pac-Man had a very secret weapon, and that was women. Hooray! Nicole. <laughs> Nicole's here, token woman. Yay! No, you're not. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, for whatever reason, uh, like video games at this point mostly appealed to like young teenage boys, uh, for whatever reason. Like Space Invaders was the biggest game in the world at the time. And uh, most of the players were young men, and for whatever reason, I'm not sure why, but Pac-Man struck a chord with younger audiences and with women. Pac-Man has much more personality than Space Invaders, and I think that might be the secret. I mean, it's probably one of the earliest games that has a sort of character to it, right? I would say, yeah, yeah. If we think about Space Invaders, it's just like the little pixely invader and then the triangle ship, whereas Pac-Man has, you know, he's colorful, he's got eyes, um, he's got eyes. He's got Sometimes eyes. that's all it takes to make a They're character. They're the windows to the soul. Yeah, exactly. And the ghost, you can you look know. him in the eyes as he eats you from the feet up. It's, it's, you know, that's what I imagine. The ghosts have like a nice wistful look to them. And this game even has, um, one of the earliest cutscenes to it. When yeah. you get past level two, they show a little animation of Pac-Man being chased by a ghost and yeah. then the tables turning and him chasing the ghost. Absolutely. So it's it's just a lot more appealing and attractive and less mechanical looking. It is, and there's more some of the early games strategy. There's more uh, reflex involved. I think there's more skill, and it's not just a whole focus on shooting and killing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. Nicole, weigh it on this. What What do you think? I I don't think it has. I mean, I think it attracts you in that it looks different. It has more personality, but I think what really sticks like keeps me with it is that it's really about like perfecting it and getting better and like you know having i i like games where you can kind of play it over and over and try to get mm-hmm. better at what you're doing and so i think in that way it's more attractive yeah you know, it's not just like shooting at something i think it's it's the epitome of 
easy to learn, difficult to master. Yep. Like anybody, you, you look at, it's one one thing. You control the control stick, and that's all you do. You move so move through your maze and avoid the ghosts. Um, but yeah, as you get deeper, um, this game was sort of a breakthrough in early AI programming. Each of the ghosts sort of has their own pattern that they mm-hmm. follow. And um, that's not immediately apparent at first, but I'm sure as people got better and memorized these patterns, they could amass all kinds of crazy high scores. Yeah. And, I mean, this was just a wild runaway hit, like we said. It it invented a new genre, which is pretty unusual. Like, this genre of, like, I guess you can call it a maze game or something, but really more often than not, we just call it, like, Pac-Man is its own genre at this Mm -hmm. point. Because it's been ripped off dozens of times, especially right around the time it's released. Here's here's a couple of titles: uh, KC Munchkin, uh, <laughs> that was on the Odyssey too. I had that game. Uh, Ghost Hunter, Munchman, Scarf Man, <laughs> Jawbreaker, and then previously uh, we mentioned a couple episodes ago, Devil World uh, yeah. by Shigeru Miyamoto. Like those were all basically just Pac-Man clones, and some of them are very good, and some of them are very very bad. <laughs> and I mean, you could even point to games like. Um, I would argue that Marble Madness has a lot of Pac-Man DNA in it or things like that. You know, hmm. there, there's there's a lot of games that this was that it, this influenced. Um, so little history on this and anybody who's seen Scott Pilgrim knows this story. It was famously called Puck, Puck Man in Japan. Uh, but they changed it for U.S. release when they realized how easy it would be to uh, vandalize the arcade cabinet. To and scratch out to... the middle of the P. Exactly. The yeah, loop and on the sudden, P. You're playing a very different game, a much better one, and I'm sure somebody's made a homebrew version of Fuckman, right? There's got to be. There's got to be. There's got to be some really gross version of that. Uh, so the uh, the Japanese name is uh, onomatopoeic, so Pakuman is what it's called over there because kind of the cartoon sound effect that they use for eating is like Paku, 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 you know, like we would say nom, 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 nom. It's kind of the same thing. We would and we do. We would and do. Pax design, it was a combination of uh, a pizza, uh, allegedly the the story goes that Tori Iwatana was in a pizza parlor. Somebody had taken one slice from it and he was looking at the pie with one slice taken out and he's like, huh. And, uh, but it's also a, uh, uh, it's based around the kanji symbol for mouth which isn't round, but it has kind of an opening like that. So he just kind of rounded out the edge and made it look like Pac-Man. So this game was so huge, it spawned hundreds of ports, sequels, uh, spinoffs, a top 10 Billboard hit song by Bruckner and Garcia, (laughs) which you definitely know we're ending the episode with, two television series. There was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon series in the 80s that was famously terrible, and uh, there's one... It's still on Disney Channel today called Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures. Which and, is uh, bizarre to me. It's, that... it's been on for like five seasons now. Uh, Who, what, what watchers of Disney Channel are excited about Pac-Man? I, guess I have it's... no idea. I meant to watch some of this before I started the episode. It's, I don't know if it's good or not. Um, Matt Groening had a philosophy that one of the key aspects of cartooning was to have each character be instantly recognizable from silhouette. Yeah. And so maybe that's part of Pac-Man's success. That's a good point. Even though they put legs on him, you know, yeah, he's still still recognizable. I mean, I've got the, got to break out the Amiibo, of course. Yeah, yeah, there he is. And uh, actually, the two two Pac-Man games on the Wii U are both based on that cartoon show, so... Yeah, so I've, I've meant to play. I've meant to watch it. There's um, also a super weird Pac-Man game for the Super Nintendo, which is just called Pac-Man Two, where you don't yes. actually control Pac-Man. You control yeah. a slingshot, and you like shoot various aspects of the world as he walks around to get his attention. It's very oh, nice. strange. It's yeah. like it's like a, a point-and-click adventure game, you know. So there's no like eating things involved. Like say he. You, you shoot the slingshot at the door to make him go out the door, and then you shoot a, a leaf out of a tree to make him look up in the tree. Like, it's very weird. It's not terrible. It's just very, very weird. Yeah. Um, 
they've they've always they've always struggled once you know pac-man had this huge initial success i think they've had namco has had trouble kind of figuring out what to do with pac-man obviously he's maintained success but the the super simple uh, formula of just running through the maze doesn't play very well you know as a 60 dollar game on your new console (laughs) it doesn't seem like a lot so they've had a lot of these weird iterations i think the most successful pac-man things yeah they've had like 3d maze platformers with miss pac-man which we'll talk about yes um i think the most successful pac-man ports are actually the multiplayer ones there's one that you'll find in an arcade and i think has a few home versions called pac-man versus where you can get pellets to eat the other pac-man we Um, we seek that out every time we're in like an arcade because it's really fun it's a big table big flat table with like uh, uh cup holders for your mm-hmm. beer you know you get some people together and you you compete in pac-man yeah it's, it's, a, really it's a great four-player game and there's also one for the gamecube which i believe is also called pac-man versus which is, is a little confusing but yeah. you use the game boy advance connector cable so one character plays as pac-man and can see the whole map yep. and the other three players play as the ghost and can only see a limited area and try to track them down and that one's really cool it's too. really fun that one's a lot yeah. of fun and they've they've also got a, a version on uh mobile right now called uh, i think it's called pac-man 256 and it's by the creators of Crossy Road, uh, if, any, if you're familiar with cross. that one. It's kind of like an isometric you – know, think of Crossy Road as like isometric Frogger. Okay. Uh, and that's that's kind of what Pac-Man is. You're, you're going through a maze and you're trying to eat things, but the world is disappearing behind you. And that's really fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So they've managed to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, really, uh, Pac-Man's success has kind of risen and fallen with the video game industry. So like it kind of helped spur this arcade craze in the 80s, and it also helped – bottom out the market uh and that's due to the notoriously terrible atari 2600 Mm. port of pac-man which they produced way too many copies of uh, alongside et they produced way too many copies uh they crashed the entire market in 1983 and uh they buried all the extra copies out in the desert in new mexico i will say i have played that port of pac-man and the pac-man gameplay still holds up okay in the scope of games to go back and play, it's not that bad. And especially when you play the E.T. game, it is much oh, yeah. more fun than that. That E.T. <laughs> game... it's also like, when I would play that, like, you're, you're constantly losing sight of your Pac-Man. Yeah. Because he'll, he'll glow. Like, when you get a power pellet, which everything's just dashes in that yes, instead of Yes, exactly. When you eat a power pellet, you, uh, you start blinking and you disappear. Mm. And so you lose sight of where you okay. are and what you're doing. And the sound is atrocious, but yes. yeah. Um, it's still Legion's better than E.T. I know ET people is often... unplayable. Yeah, there's sort of... E.T. sort of goes through a range of like, this is the worst game ever, and people are like, oh, it's not that bad. But if you go and play it, it is bad. It's, it's, kind, it's kind of like, you know, you get tired of hearing that Citizen Kane is the best movie of all time, and it's like, all right, all right, it can't be that good. And then you watch it, and like, wow, it really is that fucking good. Yeah. This is kind of like that. It's yeah. in the reverse. Yeah. It really is that fucking bad. It, 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 it's, it's hard to argue with it. Yeah. So, um, so, all right, let's talk about our little playtime with this. How did uh, how did we all do We were We decided kind of impromptu that we were going to start charting our scores and i'll admit i did this just because i won this first game <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah you won. I thought this boded well for me and then for my bragging rights so i'm like oh i, I won pac-man i got a high score on that so uh, i must be doing well but uh all right so how did how did you feel about uh, pac-man on this game i had forgotten how fast of a game that pac-man was i had the last game i played was the pac-man versus mm-hmm. for uh, gamecube which is runs a lot slower yeah um so pac-man is still i mean it's pretty challenging they go they go fast um this port seemed seemed clean um there was a moment where you glitched right through a ghost and went back the other way but i've seen people seen people do that on the machine so um 
I mean, Pac-Man Pac is fun. I didn't really have any complaints with the way it run. It was much easier to play with the pad than the stick. Yeah. Um, I but, like that they gave you that option, so whatever mm-hmm. you're more comfortable with, you know. Uh, but, yeah, uh, what, do you, what did you think of this one? I mean, you just called me Woody. No, <laughs> no he said, said what? what? Okay, I was like, what? <laughs> Steve, Steve's intricate, deep thoughts come to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> Get right in that fan fiction. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I thought this one was fine. It, it played just like it would in the arcade for me. Yeah. I didn't really see anything different. I I think I prefer playing it in the arcade, yeah. but that doesn't mean it was bad. Yeah, this is a perfectly respectable, really good uh, version of Pac-Man. Like, this is a totally valid option if you want to play some Pac-Man. This is great. It works great. I like that they had the uh, the arcade borders around the mm-hmm. sides of it so you weren't getting like this stretched out low res kind of thing. Uh, it's just straightforward. I mean, it, it. I think Pac-Man only suffers in comparison to Ms. Pac-Man, which is a good chance to move on and yes. talk about Ms. Pac-Man. Now, I will say right off the bat that we're not going to go much into history of Ms. Pac-Man, and it's not a matter of sexism. <laughs> it is simply a matter of there is another – there's a standalone Ms. Pac-Man game on the N64 that we are going to get to, and I want to save some of these wisdom nuggets for that. But mm, I will say that uh, the game debuted in 1982. It was the best-selling game of that year. And uh, we'll, and basically, Ms. Pac-Man is very, very similar to original Pac-Man. It's just better. Yes, I. that's not a controversial statement. Most people would, yeah, mo- yeah. people would agree that Ms. Pac-Man is just a better version of original Pac-Man, which makes sense as they took the parts of original Pac-Man and just found ways to improve on it. And there's um, there's subtle improvements, really. This isn't like a whole new ball game, but it's it's just little subtle changes. Like uh, the animation looks smoother, and I mean maybe that's just helped by the fact that she now has an eye and a bow. Mm-hmm. Like you can see a little more distinctive features on there. Uh, the, the mazes, the mazes change. Pac Man, yeah. you always play the same level over and over. Miss um, Pac Man, the layout change a little bit the ghosts have more advanced ai mm-hmm. in miss pac-man some move randomly which adds more unpredictability and the fruit that you get for lots of points moves around and, and these we got a notice for the first time when we were listening to, we were playing this game and we noticed that the the fruit when it's bouncing down the corridors has its own little sound effect yeah and like, I, dong, 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 dong. you definitely notice a little more small things in these games playing them at home compared yeah. to when you're in an arcade and there's all this lights and noise going on <laughs> around you mom mom i want my tickets <laughs> shut up shut up i'm drunk uh. this gauntlet legend <laughs> machine stole my quarters damn it no 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 it didn't you just need to put in 13 more yeah exactly <laughs> yes um so yeah miss pac-man it's it's still great um still fantastic yeah. It, it's um, fun to play. It moves fast, um, and it's colorful. I mean, it, I don't. It is. And again, I think we're running into kind of the problem with these. This kind of game is like, all right, well, what what can we say about it? I mean, like, there's not a lot. They're so simple. It's like for what it's worth. I just this this is kind of a you know a big statement, but you could make like a convincing argument that Miss Pac-Man is like the greatest game ever made. You can, like, I can like it would argument. definitely be in the top ten in terms of like influence and still being fun to play today. Not Dude. a lot of these games are, yeah, yeah, and uh, I, th- I think that's something that this compilation has going for it. I think most of these games are still pretty fun to play today. Yeah, um, you know, and we can we can entertain arguments about pole position when we get there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Wait, do we remember who's on our Mount Rushmore of? Oh video game yeah, okay. We said uh, we said Mario, we Pikachu, said Pikachu. We said Laura Croft. And... Did we say Sonic? Or we we no, were. We, an- we I was anti Sonic. 
That's we think right. we put like Master Chief or something like that. Or maybe uh, no, we didn't. No, I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay. I think I, I think I was pushing for Snake, but but uh, Pac Man might be on there. That, I, that's we might what have I was said. wondering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be. Can, I, I'm, I'm, I I'm, be I'd be okay with offended that. by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, uh, we're keeping track of high scores on that, Woody dominated that one. Uh, I, I got close. I got close to taking out. Like, you were 21,000. I got to about 19,000. So the, These are still not very high scores in the scope of this game. I don't think no. any of us are actually very good at this game. I think I got to maybe the fourth or fifth stage. And these games, I guess we didn't really talk about too much um, the aspect of these older games of people who are very competitive about these scores. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, because basically the way that these games work is since they give you extra lives every set amount of points, if you get good enough at the game, you can essentially play forever. And then it's just a question of, A, how much interest do you have in ability to stay focused for four hours playing Pac-Man? Right. Um, and, you know, ability to do everything right to get the maximum score by eating all four ghosts every power pellet. Um and so, yeah, it's definitely like it gives you replay value and score. But as we discussed when we played Yoshi's Story, that's not really a strong incentive for me. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and but it, some people do get really obsessive about it. And they, we were looking at that Billy Mitchell from King of Kong had the high score on this, and it was stripped from him this year, yes? Yes. Because of some, he, some controversy about his play style and it, uh, it was the validity of the scores. It thought that the... He was playing the scores he submitted on tape were played using an emulator as opposed to the original arcade machine hardware, which could somehow give him the ability to manipulate it in some way, I'm assuming. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Yeah. Again, if we'll say it again, you should watch King of Kong to get really the the in-depth look at these old video games. I love that movie so much. Yeah, (laughs) I just love that movie. All right. um, Any thoughts on Ms. Pac-Man? Did she did she fire up your (laughs) feminist soul? I mean, it was a fun game. (laughs) I don't think it's <laughs> particularly feminist. It's just yeah, <laughs> but she's got a red bow, Nicole. Yeah. Isn't that all it takes? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, Miss Pac-Man, absolute stone cold classic. You'll hear more about her in an upcoming episode. And uh, yeah, so let's talk about Galaxian. Galaxian is one I was not terribly familiar with, uh, but we'll we'll get into a little bit. It was uh, it debuted in arcades in 1979 created by Kazunori Sawano, and it was created expressly to compete with Taito's Space Invaders, which was uh, so popular in Japan, if you recall from our very first episode, (laughs) so popular that it was causing a national coin shortage. If you recall that from our very first episode, I am very impressed by your ability to maintain knowledge you hear on podcasts. Yeah, no, that's great, because, I mean, I, I... don't remember stuff we said in early episodes. And I, was I don't remember stuff we said a week ago. I don't remember stuff I just said. So what, we're talking what, about Galaxians. Wait, what were we Galaxians talking about? debuted in arcades in 1979, created by Kazunori Sawano. Uh, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, uh, I think it's immediately apparent that uh, this is a Space Invaders ripoff. Like, immediately. Um you have a very, very phallic-looking ship, <laughs> and you have a couple of rows of bug-like aliens moving slowly. The big difference here is that uh, these bugs will—they won't—they'll break formation every once in a while, and they'll swoop in and attack you. Yeah. So it makes it a little more dynamic than Space Invaders. They also don't have the little, Space Invaders has those little shields that you can hide behind. Mm-hmm. Um, this game does not have those. No, no right. shields, no protection. Um, phallic, phallic ship with no protection, none whatsoever. Um, this is one uh, we're going to talk about this in a second but this one has been almost completely overshadowed by its sequel which is superior in every way much like Uh, Miss Pac-Man to Pac-Man to the degree that most people if you ask like uh, 
Like, is Galaga a sequel to anything? You would never guess that Galaga is a sequel. Like, it's just so dominant. Yeah, I would not have guessed. <laughs> you wouldn't have? No. <laughs> yeah, and they play different enough too. I think that they're they're very distinctive. Um, Galaxian has an irritating feature, and this is the same as Space Invaders. If you can only have one bullet sort of active at a time, so yes. you're very not rapid fire. If you miss, you have to wait for your bullet to go all the way off the screen before you can shoot again. And so it's sort of it's a slow paced. Um, Difficult game. I mean, it's still, it still plays fine. It's, it's fine. fun it's, when the guys swoop down at you, but there's just not much to faster, it. faster, more interesting take on Space Invaders, mm-hmm. I, I would say. Um, and it has a couple of firsts attached to it. Uh, this is the first game that has color animation, like the explosions and things like that. So we've had little animated things before, but it was always like black and white. Mm. Uh, and this is the first game with scrolling backgrounds. So the star field that's moving in the background, ah. that's, that's a first for this one. It's a small thing, but it's noteworthy. And uh, this is kind of a big one. This is the first game to use an on-screen graphics to indicate how many lives you had left. So they have the little ship icons in the bottom telling you how many ships you have. Instead that's, of just using a number. Yeah, that's the first time. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, so you know you, you know the drill from Space Invaders. You start as a little spaceship at the bottom of the screen. You try and fend off invading aliens. You can only move left and right. You can only it's... move left and right. And uh, really, that's about it with this one. Woody, again, was the winner on this one. Not as dominant. None of us got a very high score on this one. Um, hmm. It's fine. I thought it was really hard to aim you'd mm-hmm. be shooting towards the ships and because they move back and forth too and so half the time it felt like it just went in between it's them. amazing how much we would shoot in between them considering yeah. how much of the screen they take up yeah. yeah it was real easy to get like right in between i feel like you should be getting extra points for getting <laughs> in between the ships but it was yeah. real easy yeah that just kept happening um so i think we immediately put this one out of our minds <laughs> once we played the next game which is galaga galaga came out in 1981 and, uh, yeah, like I said, it became so popular that these days most people forget it's a sequel at all. It's basically the same as Galaxians, but the uh, the attack patterns have been mixed up. Uh, the game can handle multiple bullets on screen at the same time. It has music, it which is very nice music, actually. Great music, Pretty yeah. iconic. Uh, there's, there's a few challenge levels added as a bonus, and uh, there are some boss Galaga creatures that can uh, capture you in a tractor beam. And this was really cool to discover because I, I apparently have not been playing Galaga right all these years. I'm surprised by how few people know this. I thought this was common Galaga knowledge. Like, but be, Okay, my impulse was always to, if the thing is coming at you with the tractor beam, avoid it yeah. or shoot the hell out of it before it gets to you. Um, would he let himself be captured? I was watching him play. He, got, he let himself be captured by one. It took his ship and then he came back in with another ship, killed the boss, and then he got a double ship. Yep. Like right. side you by double side. your firepower. And you also double your, like, ability to be hit by yeah. stuff. But it was still super cool. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. It's and that's, real, like... Really that, cool early Easter egg. It's and... even an early, like, form of narration. Like, a, like like an early narrative a little bit. It's like, oh, my God, we got to get in there and rescue our buddy. Oh, I got him. Let's join forces against these bugs. But yeah. We're going to be super powerful with the power of friendship. <laughs> they don't say any of that, though. But it's heavily implied. <laughs> it is heavily implied. <laughs> the power of friendship. Heavily implied. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's... This this one just took off so much more than the original, and it's definitely made a bigger footprint on pop culture. Um, players of Tekken on PlayStation might remember this as the load screen game. Mm-hmm. They, they put that in there as a little uh, Easter egg to play during the load screens. Uh, you've seen it in movies, like war games and planes, trains, and automobiles. People are playing it in those movies. Uh, the Galaga boss is an assist trophy in Smash Brothers. Uh, you, know, you, you open up the Smash Trophy, it'll come out, it'll tr- suck you up in a tractor beam and take you off the screen. And uh, 
It's most famous these days as a uh, gag in the first Avengers movie. Uh, Tony Stark comes onto the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier and he points out, that guy's playing Galaga. He doesn't think I noticed, but I did. (laughs) And then we cut back to him later. uh, Once Tony Stark leaves the room, he flips over and starts playing Galaga again. (laughs) It was a cute little uh, uh, Easter egg. And this is really apropos of nothing, but uh, the Russo brothers confirmed last year that after the snap in uh, Infinity War, like when half the world was killed, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> that agent died. Oh, no! The <laughs> guy who likes Galaga is dead. But yeah, that guy's dead. So so we have a, we have a local arcade here, mm-hmm. and I was speaking to the owner of that because I was angry because he had flipped <laughs> one of the multi-machines there um, from a vertical orientation to a horizontal one. Or, no, from a horizontal vertical one, because it may lose Robotron. And I'm like, Where, what, oh. what happened to Robotron? And he said, I had to switch it because I needed people want to play Galaga. Yeah. So I would say Galaga and Pac-Man are the two, like, essential... If you're going to open an arcade, these are what you want as your baseline. Yeah. Because these are what people want to play. I was I was surprised by how fun this still is. Um, I, I think maybe just playing it back-to-back with Galaxians, too, you really <laughs> see the difference, because... Now the bugs, like, they're swooping in. They don't just start in formation. They're swooping in onto the screen in these little, like, loop-de-loops, and you can take them out from there. So, like, you have a good chance of wiping out the entire armada before they're even in formation. Uh, That's pretty cool. That's really fun, and that makes it much more dynamic. Uh, And I believe some of the different ships sort of have different patterns with the way they come down. Yeah, yeah, they do. Like, uh, I was used to, I was looking at one of the red ones, you know, and it, it... Came down, shot at me a few times, went off screen. And then one of the ones that looks like a bee came down, shot at me a few times, and then looped back into me. You know, so I didn't know to anticipate that. Uh, And it was great, and it kept me on my toes. And this one's a lot of fun. Nicole's staring at me, like, with daggers. (laughs) She disagrees on the quantity of fun. (laughs) No, I actually really liked this one. I think it was, honestly, probably my favorite one that we played. And I had never played it before, was maybe why I liked it better than... Some Pac-Man. Ones you played I've played times. Pac-Man a lot, so the and it kind of one of my favorite games is Centipede. Mm. So it kind of in some ways reminded me of that, just yeah. like the way it plays. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. Absolutely, yeah. No, Centipede is something I'm really bad at. <laughs> You're pretty good at that game. So like, yeah. Uh, incredibly, there were. Still 12 more games in this series after this. Uh, most people couldn't name any of them. In the, uh, in the Galaga series? In the Galaga huh. series, yeah. There's 12 more games. Uh, the, there's a third game. Uh, it's largely forgotten sequel called Gapless, uh, which people don't remember that one at all. It wasn't received very well. Um, and then there's just a whole bunch of them. Uh, most recently, there's a mobile game. Uh, I think it's like a pay-to-play or like a, a, a freemium game or whatever called Galaga Wars, which adds a layer of like strategy and fortress building and stuff to it. Yeah, but so there's a lot of them in there. It's pretty accessible. You can find it on most any platform. Uh, Galaga, definitely check it out. And Woody won that one again as well. I don't think I even need to say that Woody won the rest of all of these. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the divisive pole position. Pole position came out in 1982. It is an F1 racing game, also created by Toru Iwatami from uh, Pac-Man. And it was the highest grossing arcade game of 1983. And it is the biggest selling racing game of the classic arcade area. Period. Period. So, uh, suck it, Rally X. <laughs> uh, the arcade cabin is one of the first to have a steering wheel and a gear shifter, and it had a very popular Atari 2600 home port. Uh, yeah, so, pole position. This game looks great. I imagine uh, if you were playing this in 1982 and you were sitting down with that steering wheel, and it probably had gas pedals too, right, and a shifter. Yeah, I think so. Like, it, you know, it'd be like a mind blower. 
It, I mean, it's it's really smooth, kind of like three mm-hmm. D aping. Uh, and it's very very basic. Like you're just you you know you see little angles of your car when you move it. Uh, otherwise, the backgrounds look a lot like you made the comparison to Super Hang On yeah, on Genesis. Just That's what it made. Essentially it. green um, and with a few billboards. Yeah. More than three. Just for like perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the billboards had little uh, logos for other Namco games on there, which I thought was cute. Like you saw the Dig Dug guys and yeah. I don't know. I just, I thought it was really boring. <laughs> but I'm not really into racing games. Like Mario Kart's the only one that I have ever really liked. Yeah. This, yeah. This, so. this game is just, it's tough to go back to, I feel like um, Galaga and Pac-Man have their own sort of old school charm to it. Whereas yeah. this just feels like a, you know, it feel, you just want to play a more modern yeah. racing game. It just feels Where, inferior. Yeah. So. It, and, you know, it, it, the sense of speed, it's impressive. Like the graphics are good. The sense of speed is good. Um, you, But like the turning mechanics are just not very interesting. And the courses are just feel straight and bland and it's kind of over before you really realize what's going on like your your course just the laps are so short like you're done immediately and it's one lap like that's all you do it's just one lap at a time so yeah we weren't even sure sometimes if there were other cars because yeah you didn't see any and then suddenly oh wait there were other cars i just ran into one (laughs) yeah (laughs) instantly explode great little explosion animations that was fun yeah absolutely (laughs) Uh, so this was popular enough that it spawned a short-lived animated TV show from uh, Deke Entertainment in 1984. Deke. Uh, kids of the 80s might remember Deke. It stands for uh, Diffusion Information Communications. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, animation insider nerds just know it as Done in Canada because it was a notorious studio. <laughs> uh, you just no ship- wonder I watch so much Deke. <laughs> you just you ship it up to Canada. They'll crank it out real cheaply okay. and move it along. Uh, I mean, mostly they did like really cheaply done animations of popular properties like batman they did the batman uh based on the adam west one so like that was, that was terrible oh, okay. alf uh bill and ted the best known for inspector gadget That's so if you've seen that deep logo it's probably, probably yeah. at the end of inspector gadget uh i watched an episode of the pole position tv show on youtube <laughs> they're all on there there's like 13 episodes uh it's about what you'd expect it's vaguely japanese looking it's a speed racer <laughs> knockoff uh, the cars in this one turn into flying cars, and All there's right. lots of uh, crime fighting. We're now going to enter into our ranking section of obscure Japanese racing shows that yes. Steve has watched as a result of this podcast. So it. would you put this, how would you rank this relative to the F-Zero TV show? F-Zero is way better. Okay. Yeah, I would sooner <laughs> watch F-Zero TV show than Pole Position TV show. Have you watched any other racing ga- shows com- or I guess we could just do shows in general. How does it compare to the Earthworm Jim show? Oh, that's the best one. That's the that's best one. That's easily okay. the best one. That one rules. Yeah. There's probably others I'm going to get dig into too. I am kicking myself for not watching the Pac-Man one. I have seen the original Hanna-Barbera Pac-Man. That one's terrible. You'll have to report back next podcast. I will. No. I will. You'll watch them with me, yes? Of course. You'll of watch course. Pac-Man of course. cartoons. Yes, you're excited about it. <laughs> uh, my favorite media representation of this game is... Uh, from a very terrible movie that I loved as a kid that you guys may not have ever even heard of. It's called Daryl. Uh, you are that's correct. I've never heard D-A-R-Y-L. of it. D-A-R-Y-L. That's an acronym. It stars Will Wheaton as an android boy who escaped <laughs> from a lab. And there's a scene where uh, the three characters are like in their room playing pole position on a Commodore 64. And... Uh, this is how we kind of learn that he's like super powered android because he starts playing pole position and he just immediately gets the high score, which is attained from the movie Fast Forwarding. Ah. He starts playing the game faster than it's humanly possible to play it. So it's very cheesy. Daryl, not a good movie, but it's out there. You can watch it. It exists. This has been uh, your 
Daily Things That Exist podcast. <laughs> if you like Daryl, check out Rotor. <laughs> Another thing that exists. <laughs> yes. Uh, weirdly, for such a huge hit, Pole Position uh, as a series, it didn't really have legs. Uh, there was a sequel that came out in 1983 that had more tracks and uh, improved graphics, but that's kind of where it ends. There's a, there's a series called Final Lap, which was made by the same team, and it's kind of like a spiritual successor. But that one petered out in 1993, and uh, other than a HD remake on the iOS a couple years ago, that's that's all that's been. I from think the, system. the weakness to pole position is it has very little character. Um, yeah. There's no there's no human seemingly driving the car. Like I would say, the big successor is probably Outrun to this, is what it reminds me. Yeah, and then you closer, have but like Outrun has that kind of you have like the 80s. Yeah, you have like too. the hot girl like in the side on, yeah. the, on the side of the car, and so it like and the implication is that you're like running from the law. Aren't you running from the law? Well, you're that? clearly outrunning outrun- something. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um. So that or F zero, you know, you have the the pilots that even if you don't see them, they have a little bit of they add some personality exactly. to the game. I yeah, think that yeah. who who was the did they tell you who the main driver is in the cartoon? It's two kids, and I forget oh. their names already. But like, they're, they're who let a kid into the circuit? Yeah, and I mean, the show has like this really great like theme music that you can't really hear because the characters keep talking like during the theme song. Huh. Like, really weirdly, and just like, I want to hear pole position. Like, I want to hear more of that. It's great. Uh, yeah, so that's pole position. Um, yeah, probably the bottom of my list for these six games uh, that we played, but, uh, you know, that's fine. You get a solid four or five minutes of entertainment out of it. And you get that initial wow factor. Like, wow, this looks really good for, for a game from 1982. This looks great. Uh, so let's move on to our very last game in the series, Dig Dug. Uh, weirdly, this is the game that I've played the least from this set. Uh, I don't know why. It just wasn't very... It wasn't around, like, when I had arcades, like, when I was growing up, and it just wasn't in there. Uh, I've understood this is a popular franchise from back in the day, but, yeah, I never really played it much. Um, so Dig Dug, or Digudagu in Japan, <laughs> I love that, uh, was released in 1982. Uh, it roughly kind of meets the maze game subgenre that uh, Pac-Man launched, yeah. but uh, I think it, it's got enough weirdness and enough character to whereas make i would different. say pac-man you spend the time on the defensive and running dig dug you are you are a stone cold killer you in are. this game it is your job to navigate these underground tunnels your character can just kind of move up and down and through the earth with impunity yeah um i don't really he doesn't seem to have a drill or anything that's not very clear yeah i think but, i think he's just like moses he's just like you know, parting the parting the sands him. yeah I and think somehow it's, it's they don't collapse on top of him somehow. unless you have a rock which then does but um which is a strategy you can use too, to like, crush yeah. crush guys for extra points yeah and then he has his only weapon is this air pump yeah. which he shoots out and attaches to these goggled sort of enemies and then inflates them until they explode and pop, which is really, you know, kind of a morbid premise for kind your game. Um, I, I, th- I think uh, he inspired the uh, the Javier Bardem character from No Country for Oh, Man. yeah? Pretty sure. Was, Pretty sure. He was a downloadable character in Mortal Kombat X, right? The Dig Dug guy? <laughs> was, was... Oh, God, I would love that. He's <laughs> just like, oh, man, he just blows him up. That'd be so gruesome. That'd be worse than, like, the Nard ripping. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> I really want that now. Um yeah, so it's it's a strange game. I wasn't clear if he's like a spaceman or if he's an exterminator or what he is. Uh, I don't think this... I mean, it seems to take place on Earth, but you're right. The creatures don't really seem to resemble any sort of... There's like two... There's sort of balloony guys with goggles and then a lizard creature. I have their names if you want. Nicole pointed out looks like Yoshi. Yeah, I mean, what, 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 what are their names, Steve? Uh, the red guys are Pukas, 
and the green guys are Phygars. Mm, pukas and Phygars. Yeah. I feel like I've heard of Pukas. Is pukas are a real I, mythical... Are looking at my shell necklace right now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tenbra. Pukas are, I believe, a real mythical creature think, of some kind. Okay. I believe but so. Somebody... Famous for their mischievous leprechaun-like nature. Okay. I'm the leprechaun. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, you can, you can strategize a little bit. Like, each character takes... Was it four? It's like four pumps to explode. Yeah. So you can, like, hit it three times, and then they'll, like, block a path for you or something. Or you can hit them three times and then Turn dig out a rock to drop on them, which is hard to do and worth more points, I believe, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, guys are kind of chasing you constantly. Um, the one difference um, between this and the other games is as you insert more credits, it will save what stage you're on. Mm, yeah, so right. I could see if you had the patience actually playing through a lot of this game as opposed to the other ones where it would restart you at the beginning every yeah. time. Yeah, that's a good point. And really, it is kind of morbid now that you think about it. Like, the, the last character is going to run off the screen. Like, you can still win if they're all gone, but, like, you, you kill the others, and then whoever's left will panic and run away for their life while you hunt them down. So this is definitely the more aggressive game. Um, and then they go hide with their other friends, and you follow them. To the yeah. next level, yeah. You just chase them down. <laughs> and I assume eventually you get to, like, the Phygar Queen or something, and you wipe out their entire species. It's like the end of Starship Troopers. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this one inspired a lot of movies, you yeah. can expect. A lot of very gory movies. Um, yeah, this was very popular at the time. It was ported to most home consoles, uh, notably never to the NES, which I think it would have been a good fit on there. Maybe that's yeah. why I also never played it. Uh, the star on this game has definitely faded over the years, and it's it's uh, it's got a very simple formula, great short bursts, but it's not really one made to last. Uh, there was a sequel released in 1985 that wasn't very popular, and uh, since then, mostly you're going to find this on compilations like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and one weird little note I found out about this game, this is something kind of strange that uh, Namco does. But uh, in this game, the, the, the hero is referred to as Dig Dug, but canonically his name is Taizo Hori. Uh, which in Japanese is kind of a, it's like a pun on I want to dig or something like that. Yeah. So um, according to Namco, Taizo is actually the father of Susumo Hori, who is the hero of Mr. Driller, which was originally conceived as a sequel to Dig Dug and then it became its own thing. And then uh, Taizo is also the ex-husband of Kissy Masuyo, who is the heroine of the game Bar- Baraduke, uh, which we uh, uh, summarized earlier. As they're setting up, dog they're setting up the Namco Extended Universe yeah. uh, movies. Well, where... it's kind of like we, we played uh, Ridge Racer 64 yeah. you know, with Riko Nagasi, who's the, the mascot character, and her brother is the hero of Ace Combat 5. Like, there's no real reason for that to be <laughs> so. And I just, this really worries me that, like, old video game characters can get married and get divorced and have children like they've got these rich full lives when they're not digging beneath the surface and killing dragons like they they live they laugh they love you know it's except when we're torturing except when we're when when you pump them do they not explode (laughs) oh god yeah so i mean i would say the biggest issue i have with this game as a whole it's just that, you know, it advertises six games. Oh, wait, I, we're, now we're talking about Namco oh, Museum. I'm talking about Namco now, Museum. We, 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 Sorry. We've, we're moving from the micro level to the macro level. Yes, we're moving from <laughs> under the ground to an uh, overview of yeah. the earth. Yes. So, yeah, I would say the biggest issue I have is that it advertises six games, and charitably, you're getting five. Uh, I think, I would say Galaga and Galaxian are different enough okay. that those qualifies games. Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man are so similar. Like, you really only need one. And you really only need Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> 
And and like I said, like I, I miss some of the weird like bad games that you could sometimes find hidden on these. Like, well, especially now because these games are all so accessible and commonly found. You can, I'm sure you can play them all in your browser. Yeah. Um, there's been many more compilations for modern systems which have more games, including those weird ones. Um, or you could just download them on Steam or something like that. Absolutely. Um, your your digital arcade. So I feel like this is sort of a tougher sell. I don't. I feel like this game. If you got this game at about five bucks, you it'd probably be about right. Um, Which is what I got it for. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but again, thinking back to like, if this is the game you got for your Nintendo sixty four, and it you know is fifty bucks. You would have you. I don't know. I don't think I have the attention span to play that much Galaga or I definitely didn't twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's only it's only shrunk since then. I think that's a good segue to go into our rankings here. Yeah. What do you think? Do you guys have anything else to say about Namco Museum sixty four? I thought it was pretty fun. There you go. <laughs> but I think you know, like you said, there's so many other places to play these. There's really not a huge reason to buy this. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, it's. I'll start us off here. Uh, so each week we are ranking every single game we've played on the list so far. Uh, this will be our 97th game. Holy shit. We are <laughs> almost blazing the big, through these. Almost to triple digits. Um, you know, I'm, uh, uh, I, like, I like this game a lot. You know, it, it's hard to rag on it too much because... Really you always say that it's hard to rag on things, and I pro- I will rag on them. <laughs> you, Steve. you find it easier yeah. to rag on things I than do. I do. I love to rag, but it's I, I guess it's it's hard to complain when you get like six very good, uh, genuine classic arcade games. Like I, I think that's a good bargain any way you slice it. This isn't probably the best packaging for this. This isn't the best way to play this style of game, but I still think it's worthwhile just for. Um, what do you have here? So I'm going to pair it with the other Namco game on the list. I'm going to put it just below Ridge Racer 64 at number 33. Okay. Uh, Nicole, you want to go next? Sure. All right, we got your list right here. Nicole's got a smaller list than we do, but she's been on here more than any other guest. Hooray! Probably because you live here and you're married to me and I make you do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weirdly easy for me to be on these shows. <laughs> it is. And you love it, of course. Of course. Oh, of yes. course. Of course. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm going to put this one at my number four. Nice. Uh, for reference, I have 19 games on my list, so that's, that's pretty high. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, I put it right after Bust a Move, uh, but before Star Wars. I just the Star, Star Wars, Wars Racer, one, yeah. Star Wars Racer. Yeah. Sorry, um, that one was a little too mm-hmm. frustrating to play, and this one I think I could go back and play. But Bust mm-hmm. a Move, I I feel like I enjoyed that game a lot, so I will leave that one. We should break that out more at parties. That's a, that's a really fun one. That's yeah, a, that's a, it's that's a, a, it's a great yeah. tournament game too. It is. To, yeah, because yeah. it's, yeah. it, it's accessible to really pretty much anyone. It is. Yeah. Um. All right. So I um I you know this always happens. I think that we're going to be have a very different of opinion, and then it kind of <laughs> ends up around the same place on the list. Yeah. Um. I agree that most of these are great games, especially Galaga and Miss Pac-Man are total classics. But I think the way to play them is to go. Go to the bar, go to the arcade. I'm sure you have somewhere near you a pizza parlor that has one of these machines there. And, you know, spend a dollar and play it a couple times because that's sort of the best experience for these games. I just don't think that they have the depth to really make you want to play a lot of them here. Yeah. Um, so I'm putting this game at number 38, okay. which is right under Earthworm Jim 3D. Uh, I, know. I was way meaner on that game. I know, you were. were. Yeah. Um, I keep forgetting how high it is on your list. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, um, 
you know, the, the you should definitely go out and play Miss Pac-Man yeah. and Galaga if you have not. You should prioritize that. But um, as a game to own for your Nintendo 64, this is this is not one that you should put much effort into obtaining. And we were kind of looking just out of curiosity at, like, what a way to play this kind of game would be now. And there is a new, like, Namco Museum release on the Switch yeah. that looks pretty great and it's got splatter house on it which like is yeah it's got you know probably like 20 games and some newer ones as well including pac-man versus and pac-man championship edition which is a great game that's one of the best ways to play yeah and so that's sort of what you need is something that splashes the newer with the older and gives you some of those older weird games too yeah and i guess if we're going in-game sub rankings i'm gonna say miss pac-man galaga regular pac-man uh Galaxians, Dig Dug, Pole Position. Agree. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think yeah. pretty much the same. Yeah, yep. that's that's about right, I think. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening to us wax nerdic on nerd this one, stuff. This one definitely get, get, fell into the nerdy technical side. Oh, very <laughs> much. Yes, yes yeah. absolutely. So thank you for uh, tuning in on that. Uh, next week, we are going to be playing a game called... Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine. Okay, so we're getting back into blockbuster originals territory. We're getting into Indiana Jones territory. There's a lot to talk about with this one, so I'm excited. Uh, Nicole, thank you as always for marrying me. Uh, Appreciate it. You're welcome. Keep keep it up. (laughs) Well, I have some bad news for you, Steve. Damn it! Oh, why do I always get divorced on podcasts? Well, all right, everybody. Uh, so until next week, waka 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 waka. Tail.